Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Good evening, children of the night. Come on into the cabin, and let's talk about the things that go bump in the night. Earlier, I was thinking about some of my own history with horror, and realized that although I started where most of us Westerners did, with Poe. In fact, there was a time in high school where an English teacher told us that we could choose any poem, recite it from memory, and then receive extra credit. These were the sort of assignments where one would choose a poem with a stanza or two just to make the grade. I've never considered myself an overachiever, but I chose Pose the Raven, memorized it in its entirety, and nailed the recitation. Best part of two decades later, I'd be lucky to make it all the way through the third stanza. But after Poe, I had something a bit more modern. On the weekends, generally, once my parents had gone to sleep, there were two shows that I'd love to watch. First was Monster Vision, hosted by Joe Bob Briggs on TNT. Joe Bob seemed like a funny guy, and when they'd show their Monster of the Week films, as soon as the monster died, they'd roll credits. A bit later in the evening would be Up All Night with Rhonda on USA. Frequently the show would have Gilbert Godfrey as a special guest. The films they showed were some of Troma's best, or as is it worst, films among many other low-budget movies. Regardless of whatever monstrosity, curse, cannibal, or mutation that would affront our heroes, inevitably most of a young lady's clothes would have to come off for some reason or another. I suppose it's just part of the formula of making those sort of movies. Maybe you remember seeing a few of those as well. Thanks for letting me take another trip down memory lane. Let's move on to our story for the night. We've got one, a bit on the long side, but not as long as Algernon Blackwood's story from last week. 
The Night Lightning Struck Paintersville is a story that appears in William Markley O'Neill's collection of short and long horror stories entitled Fishing in Brains for an Eye with Teeth. Episode number 56 of Tales of Terrify featured Sensory Desolation, another story from that same collection. Fishing in Brains for an Eye with Teeth is available for download for Kindles or PCs and can be purchased at Amazon.com. Link will be in the show notes. This past year, Bill released another collection of horror stories entitled Black and Blue and Blood, also available through Amazon. He's a prolific writer in diverse genres. Beside his horror stories, he writes science fiction, fantasy, and superhero fiction. Currently on Amazon, he has a collection of four amusing science fiction novelettes entitled Sci-Fi Sense of Humor. And he's working on releasing a superhero romance novella entitled Where the World Ends. Also, recently released from Epic Saga Press was Salacious Tales, an anthology of 22 speculative stories, all with erotic themes. There are science fiction stories included, fantasy stories, and horror stories. Mr. O'Neill, or Bill, has two stories included in Salacious Tales, a book that is available for purchase at Barnes & Noble or on Amazon. Bill has a new website where you'll find links to all his published works that are available for purchase, as well as news about what he's currently working on. Bill is on Twitter and Facebook. Bill remains a proud member of the Horror Writers Association. And now, William O'Neill's The Night Lightning Struck Paintersville. In the end, when lightning struck Paintersville, the Taylor sisters were together. When Talitha Taylor entered the only general store in the little town of Paintersville, Montana, she heard three things simultaneously. A bell above the door rang, heralding her entrance. A woman was bawling, not just crying, but bawling, like her heart was breaking. And a man was shouting, "'Always comes back to the same shitty choice!' Either we suck it up and do as he says, or our loved ones suffer. Shh! Like they aren't suffering already! Like we all aren't suffering! There was a hissing chorus of, Shh! Talitha didn't see anyone. The voices were coming from farther back in the store. She walked down an aisle with canned vegetables on one side and cartons of soft drinks on the other side, floorboards creaking underfoot. She could smell a pleasant mix of apples, onions, cedarwood, and cigar smoke. Sunshine was in short supply this afternoon, and the store was full of deep shadows. On the long drive here from Great Falls, Talitha kept hearing gloomy meteorological forecasts. Severe thunderstorms were expected later tonight. She was glad she made it to Painersville before the bad weather. It was a bitch finding this place. Apparently, until just about a year ago, this town went by another name. No one in Montana seemed even aware that a Paintersville existed. It had taken all day to get here. Now all she had to do was find her sister. The voices had hushed. Except for Talitha's footfalls on the hardwood floor, the store had become eerily quiet. Ahead of her was one of those big circular mirrors mounted just below the ceiling. In it, she could see the rounded reflection of a cluster of people. Talitha walked past jars of pickles on one side and chips and dip on the other, coming to the end of the aisle and turning right. Here, 
in an open area in the middle of the store, seven people were clustered around a long counter, like the kind she'd expect to see in a diner. On the counter were a cash register, an open box of beef jerky, a display of cheap butane lighters, several jars of honey, and a humidor. Twin ceiling fans lazily beat the air from above. Two women, one older, one younger, stood behind the counter, both wearing demure black dresses. The moment Talitha saw the puffy red eyes of the older woman, she knew this was the person that she heard crying. Her cheeks were dry, Talitha saw no tears, but she noted the handkerchief being squeezed by the woman, and that was all the confirmation she needed. The younger lady also looked distraught and worried. Noticing a resemblance in their eyes and the shape of their bodies, Talitha assumed they were mother and daughter. Clustered around the counter were four middle-aged men. Two of the four were red-faced and glaring, looking angry as hell. One was dressed in brown overalls and a white t-shirt. The other was dressed in jeans and a checkerboard plaid shirt. A third mustached man was looking down at his cowboy boots, both hands buried in the pockets of his denim jeans. The fourth guy appeared nervous as he tugged on the brim of his green baseball cap. The seventh person was a crumpled-up old woman seated at the counter. Her gaunt face had more cracks than a dried-up riverbed. She was wearing enormous false eyelashes, gaudy turquoise eyeshadow, and a metallic blue dress. Her thin hair had been dyed pitch black, making her face look even more ancient and more pathetic, in Talitha's opinion. Seven sets of eyes glared at her, fixing Talitha with angry stares. None of these seven were black people, and the old one was probably the whitest white lady she'd ever seen in her life, but that didn't surprise her much. Talitha had light brown skin, a hazel tone, actually, but the way these people were looking at her, she felt very black indeed. It was startling how no one made any attempts whatsoever at pleasantries. Not a hi, howdy, how may I help you, or even a simple yes? The middle-aged lady behind the counter sniffled, causing one of the red-faced guys to glare at her. Talitha stammered, Um, hello? No one greeted her in return. I, um, I'm kinda lost here. I was hoping I could maybe get some directions to... The guy in the plaid shirt interrupted her, asking, Where you headed? The pallid guy wearing the green baseball cap asked, North or south? Actually, Talitha said, I'm not sure. She smiled at them. Receiving no smiles in return, she clarified, I'm looking for someone who lives around here. Three of the seven, including the old woman, were looking elsewhere when she said that. Those three sets of eyes now whipped back, joining the other four sets to stare fearfully at her. Talitha concentrated on the red-faced guy wearing brown overalls and was stymied when she tried to determine his age. Upon first glance, she'd taken him to be in his late fifties, maybe early sixties. Now she realized it was his haggard eyes that made him look so aged. A breed of frantic desperation was locked behind his eyes. All these people appeared to be stressed out. Brown overalls took out a big white handkerchief and wiped sweat off his face as he asked Talitha, Who you looking for? 
The guy in the plaid shirt and the guy in the green cap exchanged an uneasy look between them. Talitha sighed. She would rather be anywhere else right now instead of this hick, nowhere, creepy-as-shit little town. She should be back home in Chicago, getting ready to go out on a date tonight. Everything about this trip had been fucked up from the get-go. There was some kind of trouble at the airport, and her departure was delayed almost two hours. When she finally made it to Great Falls, she had problems with the rental car agency. Her grandmother Diana was sponsoring this trip, this quest to find Malika. And before Talitha could get her car, the rental agency had to contact her grandmother directly. That took the better part of another hour. Then she had to endure a long-ass, boring three-hour drive with storm winds dogging her all the way. Only to arrive here, in Paintersville, and to meet these lovely people. For all of a minute, she considered moving on. Screw these rednecks. She would find her sister on her own. She didn't like the way everyone was looking at her. But then the guy in the overalls asked, Well prompting Talitha to say the name of the asshole who lured Malika into this godforsaken place, Darnell Johnson. Darnell? asked the pale guy with the green cap. Darnell? repeated the flushed guy in the brown overalls. The young woman behind the counter said, I'll bet she means David. David? repeated the guy in the plaid shirt. When the elderly woman with the sculptured black hair spoke up, her voice was shrill enough to kill a circling horsefly. She's obviously related to that Kika girl. Probably her sister, from the looks of her. She waved a gnarled hand, dismissing Talitha, the first of the seven to stop staring at her. The young woman corrected the old hag. She means Malika. Brown overalls gave Talitha a shrewd look, asking, You related to Malika? The crone rolled her eyes and shook her head, screeching, Of course she's related to Kika. Just look at her. The guy who'd been mostly invisible up until now was forty-something, with a bushy, graying mustache. He looked up from his cowboy boots, shot a disgusted glare at the wrinkled lady, and apologized. You'll have to forgive my mother. She's old and feeble-minded. Talitha giggled nervously when the old bag retorted, Feeble-minded, my dust-farting ass! The face of the man in the brown overalls was no longer so red. His eyes, however, hadn't lost any of that mad frantic glint. He ignored the others and asked Talitha directly, You are Malika's sister, aren't you? Since he had at least correctly pronounced her sister's name, Talitha said, Yes. Well said Brown overall, shoving both hands into his pockets. Dave's place isn't hard to find at all. He's just a couple miles outside town. Talitha didn't question them talking about a David Johnson instead of a Darnell Johnson. This was exactly what she secretly suspected. Malika was living with a white man. When Malika told Talitha on the phone that her new boyfriend was from Paintersville, Montana, Talitha automatically assumed he was white. Malika became indignant and swore Darnell was black. The sad truth was that Grandma Diana was racist herself. If one of her granddaughters was to bring home a white boy, she'd disown her. Talitha loved her grandmother with all her heart, 
but she also recognized how bigoted the older generation could be about race, which was probably why Talitha didn't let this old Caucasian woman get to her too much. Talitha knew Malika would lie about her boyfriend's skin color, turning David into Darnell simply to appease an old woman 1,300 miles away, who was likely to die before she ever met the guy. So Talitha asked, Can you tell me how to get there? The man in the brown overalls pointed vaguely, saying, You go back out here, to the main highway, and head north. Go about six miles until you get to the... The guy in the green baseball cap startled the hell out of Talitha by shouting, Why are you doing this? You know what happened to her sister. Alarmed, Talitha looked directly at Greencap and asked, What happened to my sister? Greencap's face was cold and bloodless, but his eyes were hot and bloodshot, gleaming violently. With frenzied gestures, he employed the other men. You know we can't just let her go. You know he's going to want her. He jabbed a finger at brown overalls, bellowing, Tell me I'm wrong! Talitha didn't have a clue what's going on here and had no desire to find out. Genuinely frightened by this crazy man's outburst, she decided it was time to seek out the local authorities. She didn't exactly run, but she hurried away without saying another word. As she turned the corner down the aisle that led to the front door, she heard five cries behind her. Greencap screamed, "'You know I'm right!' a man shouted. "'She's bolting!' Another man whined, "'We don't want to make him angry!' To which the old crone replied, "'He's gonna be tickled to death when he gets a load of this one!' She laughed a cackle that sounded like a gurgling brush fire. And the woman with the eyes puffy from crying shouted louder than any of them, Don't let her get away! Talitha ran. Suddenly there was a loud slam behind her, startling a squeak out of her. She was nearly to the end of the aisle, nearly to the door, when the entire section of soft drinks received a jarring blow from the other side, causing cartons and two-liter bottles to spill onto the floor directly in her path. As long twelve packs of Coca-Cola burst open, sending dented cans rolling, Talitha stepped on one of those cans, tripped, and fell on her butt. Someone, the owner of the Paintersville General Store in all likelihood, shouted, Oh, why'd you have to go do that, for God's sake? Don't tear the place up! Don't hurt her, wailed the young woman. Get her, shrieked the old crone. Talitha clambered to her feet, looking back in the direction of the threat, back up at the mirror. She saw the cluster of people was still near the counter. Virtually no one had moved, except that she didn't spot either green cap or plaid shirt. Wincing, her ass hurting, she turned and saw the only thing between her and the door were cans, bottles, and a growing cola slick. Several two-liter bottles were hissing out of their broken seals. She hopped, leapt, and made her way past the obstacles. At the end of the aisle, just as she reached the front door, she caught a glimpse of someone to her right, turned, and yelped when she saw plaid shirt standing there. Pointing a long fingernail at him, Talitha yelled, You stay away from me! She heard the floorboard creak behind her as plaid shirt backed away. Someone was sneaking up on her. Before she could react to that realization, she was bashed in the back of the head. She had a brief flutter of consciousness from the floor. She was looking up at Greencap, who was looking down at her, a shovel in his hands. Then, for a long time, Talitha Taylor knew nothing more. She woke to pain and the talk of cruel men. Her head throbbed, and she almost moaned aloud. Somehow she managed to keep still. 
Any wonder, he snapped. We're all on edge. Things will get back to normal after tonight. Talitha thought she recognized this guy's voice. It was brown overalls, the red-faced guy from the store. I can't believe he hit her like that. I swear, a year ago, Peter Proctor was the quietest guy in this town. He didn't even hunt, for Christ's sake. He wouldn't hurt a fly. A lot's happened in the last year. Fuck yeah. And none of it good. She realized she was in a moving car when they hit a pothole in the road. The jar to her body caused her head to flare. She bit back a moan, grimacing, tears squeezing out of her closed eyelids. From the front of the car, brown overalls said, I can't believe we've sunk this low. This really sucks. Stop saying that. We do what we've got to do. To save both ourselves and our loved ones. Christ on a stick, man. Don't you remember what happened to the last do-gooders who defied him? Oh, I remember, all right. If I ever do live to see an end to this, I'll never forget their screams. You'll live to see the end of this? Most of us will. Eventually we'll figure out how this fucker does it. I still think it's the paint. There's something bizarre about that paint he uses. Brown overalls laughed, totally without mirth. There's something bizarre about all of this. Rack your brains if you want, Sheriff. Sheriff? Teletha jumped as if goosed. But there's no logical explanation for what this guy does. There's no radioactivity or mutant whatever in the friggin' paint. Oh, don't tell me you're one of those fools who actually believes he's some kind of devil from hell. Not a devil, no. But a demon? Damn straight. Just look what he did to the church. What about you, Doc? You're being awfully quiet back there. What do you think? Talitha was startled again when she heard someone right next to her say, She's awake. What? Talitha's heart was pounding so hard in both her head and her chest, she found it difficult to think, difficult to breathe. She was in a moving vehicle with three men, brown overalls, a sheriff, and a doctor. She was too frightened to open her eyes. She wanted to go on feigning unconsciousness, but she didn't know what good that would do. Doc said, How are you feeling, Talitha? An involuntary moan escaped her when he said her name. The sheriff asked, She gonna be all right, Doc? Yeah. Pete must have restrained himself. The direction of his voice changed, aimed again at Talitha. She's going to have a hell of a headache for a while, though. Talitha opened her eyes and, wincing, she sat up, saying, Can't you give me something for the pain, Doc? She couldn't believe her own bravado. Her mouth always got her into trouble. When she was frightened or upset, she often became flippant. The Doc was not at all what she expected. She had mentally pictured an elderly man, but this guy looked like he was struggling to hit his mid-twenties. Dressed in a tight-fitting black suit, he had the face of a teenager. He even had a touch of acne. Zitz dotted his chin and his forehead along his hairline. He stared at Talitha with an expression of sad distress. Talitha realized she was riding in a police vehicle. A grated screen separated her from the men in front. The white-haired man she thought of as brown overalls was driving. 
Riding shotgun was a big, burly, bald man dressed in a brown sheriff's uniform. It was the sheriff who addressed her, turning around in the front seat so he could look at her with tiny green eyes. I didn't handcuff you, but I can if you give us any shit. So don't give us any shit, okay? Just shut up and enjoy the ride. Nobody's gonna hurt you. The pain brought out the sassiness in her. Wincing, she told him. It's too late for that. After a moment of silence, Brown Overalls said, It was Pete Proctor that hit you. He met Talitha's eyes in the rearview mirror. Trust me when I tell you he's gonna pay dearly for that. The doc said, Amen, brother. The sheriff shook his head and grumbled under his breath. Fucking demon from hell, fucking hairy white ass. Talitha realized she was wearing a bandage wrapped around her head. She reached up to feel her aching skull when the doctor said, Don't touch it. You don't want it to start bleeding again. Talitha rasped, How do you know my name? The sheriff recited, Talitha Tamika Taylor, age 24, sister of Malika, daughter of Terrence and Betty, born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. So far, still not married, and you have no kids, but you do have a pet ferret named Cassio. Right. Suddenly, she couldn't stop panting. There was so little air at that moment, she wouldn't give up any of it to form words. The sheriff growled, Just shut the fuck up until we get there, okay? He shot a furious glance back over his shoulder. You too, Doc. The car was buffeted by another strong blast of wind. God seemed to be trying to blow them off the road. Talitha hoped he succeeded. She didn't want to meet whoever was waiting at the end of this drive. Silently, she began to pray. When more strong gusts hit the car, Doc exclaimed, God damn, keep this thing on the road, will ya? Brown overall snapped, You wanna drive? The door had no handle. There was no way she could jump out even if she wanted to. And she didn't really want to, considering how badly her head hurt. Talitha looked out the window. She saw nothing but darkness and trees. They were cruising through a forest. A distant flash shuddered across the sky. How bad is it supposed to get? asked Brown overalls. Bad, said the sheriff. I saw the Doppler TV right before I left. Everything west of here is lit up for miles. Talitha couldn't believe they were talking about the weather. Dizzy, she leaned over until her head was almost on her knees. She rode like this for the last five miles of the journey and didn't see the church from her window. Eventually, the sheriff's car came to a stop. Talitha's head was still down. If she had sand to bury it in, she would have done so gleefully. The men in the front of the car opened the doors to get out. A blast of muggy air rushed in. A moment later, the doors in the back were opened. Brusquely, Talitha was told to, Get out. She raised her head and looked up at the sheriff. She didn't know what possessed her to say, Nice town you got here, man. Do you treat all tourists like this, or am I getting special treatment because I'm black? The sheriff slapped her across the face. I told you not to give me any shit. Crying, a red handprint rising on her cheeks, her head throbbing, Talitha shrieked, Fuck you! The sheriff shook his head. Just like your sister, full of attitude. He drew his gun. All right, sweetheart, I am not about to mess with you. 
A blast of wind hit the sheriff so hard he momentarily staggered. She noticed he hadn't bothered putting on a hat. Loudly, he informed her, If you run, I swear to God, I'll shoot you. Spit flew from her mouth as she snapped back. What? You want to end up like Pete? She was bluffing. She wasn't even totally sure Pete was Greencap, but she thought he was, and it sounded like Pete might have gotten into trouble for hurting Talitha. Whatever the case, the bluff seemed to work. The sheriff's eyes narrowed almost to the point of non-existence. Looking worried, he took a couple of steps back from the automobile. His expression then turned stony, just before he pointed his pistol and yelled, Get the fuck out of the car! She did as he demanded. She got out of the cruiser. She found herself in a parking lot, with thirty or more parked cars. The wind howled in the high branches of the trees surrounding this isolated place. When Talitha turned around and saw the church, pain and fear were both briefly obliterated by unbounded revulsion. Talitha was raised Baptist. Unless she was deathly ill, every Sunday until she was eighteen years old, she was expected to be in church with the rest of her family. She never sang in the church choir like Malika, or taught Sunday school class like her mom, but she did consider herself to be a devout Christian. When Talitha Taylor saw the church sitting on the hill, hidden in the forest outside Paintersville, she was shocked to her very soul. A simple pillbox of a structure, the one-story rectangular building, had a gabled cupola on the roof, and atop that was the most perverted thing Talitha had ever seen. The steeple had been replaced by a gigantic phallus, complete with a gargantuan set of testicles. Thirteen feet tall, the wooden penis had been painted Caucasian flesh color and was topped like a mushroom instead of a cross. It was absolutely obscene, as was the rest of the church. She imagined it must have been painted white at some point in the past, with maybe hunter green shutters. But now the building was glossy black with scarlet-colored shutters. The front door of the church had been painted bright red, and mounted above the entrance were two huge erect dildos, crossing each other as if they were swords. All across the outside walls of the chapel, Talitha could see portraits of nude people engaged in various sex acts. Her first thought was, it's satanic. She considered the possibility that these men who abducted her were devil worshippers. But as she was herded toward the building, wincing into the wind, Doc, the sheriff, and brown overalls all behind her, she realized there were no pentagrams or swastikas on the church. It was more like a temple devoted to Dionysus than Lucifer. The closer she got to the chapel, the more unnerving details she saw. Like the depiction of a man fornicating with a sheep, one so realistic Talitha could see the hairs on the man's naked ass and the slobber drooling from the muzzle of the ewe. Elsewhere she saw two naked men engaged in sodomy. Beside them was the painting of two elderly men having sex with a young girl— the entire structure was heaped with naked bodies, displaying a perverted painted orgy that was so realistic she would have sworn she could see some of the participants squirming. The sheriff stepped up beside Talitha, saying, My portrait is around back if you want to see what I'm packing. He grabbed his crotch with the hand not holding his gun. Overall said to the sheriff, 
I swear to God you enjoy this shit. The sheriff shrugged. When in Rome... All around them, trees swayed and shook and hissed and clattered from the continual blasts of fast winds. Come on, said Overalls, giving Talitha a shove. The moment the doors to the church were opened, Talitha heard Sean Kingston performing Beautiful Girls, and she wondered if this hellhole was some kind of brothel. Go on, demanded the sheriff, poking her painfully in the back with his pistol. Stumbling up three small steps, she crossed the threshold. Behind Sean Kingston's damnations, Talitha heard the sounds of weeping. Pushed and prodded across a small lobby, Talitha entered the sanctuary. The church could accommodate two hundred people, but there were only about seventy or eighty people here tonight. There were three aisles, two columns of ten pews, and each pew was able to seat ten people. As Talitha was driven down the middle aisle, a murmur shuffled through the congregation. Numerous people turned around to view her entrance. She only saw the good citizens of Painter'sville with her peripheral vision. Her attention was focused on the naked man on the raised stage where the pulpit should be. Her first view of the painter was his bare ass. She raised her eyes, looking at the back of his head, his bushy black mane. Paintbrushes in both hands, he seemed to be both making art and directing music, waving his arms in wild flourishes. Talitha could see a painting just now taking shape in front of him, the portrait of an infant. To the left of the easel was a boombox on a pedestal. To the right of the easel was the crib where the painter's subject lay sleeping. When the painter suddenly stopped directing with one hand and clasped it in front of him onto the woman's head— only then did Talitha realize he was currently receiving fellatio. Talitha caught just a glimpse of the middle-aged woman giving the painter a blowjob. Like an automated reaction to this scene, Talitha turned without thinking intent on fleeing. She found the sheriff's gun hanging in the air three inches from the end of her nose. The bald brute calmly said, Don't even think about it. With that desperate look in his eyes that Talitha remembered so well from their first encounter, Overalls grabbed her, spun her around, and gave her a hard shove. She staggered forward, twisted her ankle, felt a stab of pain there, and fell. Her head throbbed. Talitha began to cry. Sobbing women cried louder in sympathy for her. Get up! She hugged the floor, bawling, hurting, frightened out of her wits. Get the fuck up, bitch! A new injury was added to her pains as she was kicked in the butt. When she didn't get up, Overalls and the sheriff each grabbed an arm and pulled her to her feet. She was manhandled forward. For the first time, she looked closely at the congregation and was startled and frightened yet again. The people here had been segregated, men to the left, women to the right, with the elderly in the back and the teenagers up front. She saw no small children. Virtually everyone was dressed in their Sunday finest, in suits and elegant dresses, but in the front two pews on the right were ten young ladies who were all completely nude. The naked women were crying, hiding their faces in their hands and generally looking embarrassed, ashamed. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And distraught. One beautiful brunette with enormous breasts had such a red face, she looked like she had a rash. And then Talitha saw familiar faces, both women from the store. They were sitting with a third woman who was dressed like a widow and was crying harder than anyone. Whereas most people were now looking at Talitha, this woman was looking at the painter, wringing her hands, rocking back and forth, wailing. Talitha thought she now understood why the woman in the general store was bawling earlier tonight. All three of these women were probably related to the poor woman being forced to perform fellatio. Talitha never considered the possibility that they might be the sister, aunt, and grandmother of the infant baby being christened tonight in paint. She just happened to glance left and saw a young man, probably fifteen or sixteen, dressed in a suit and tie, with his fly undone and his erection out, openly masturbating as he looked across the aisle at the naked babes. Aloud, with more volume than she intended, Talitha blurted out, What kind of place is this? The painter heard her and stopped his wild gesturing. His back still to Talitha, he first put down his paintbrushes and then reached over to turn off the music on the boombox. Finally, he used both hands to pull the lady's head away from his crotch, her mouth coming off his dick with a wet plop. The captor turned around to face his prisoners. Talitha's first impression was, He's nothing special. 
The painter was tall, lanky, and furry, with a wild tangle of hair. His bright blue eyes sparkled with lively mischief. He had a short rat-brown beard, probably, Teletha thought, in an effort to look Christ-like. But there was nothing charismatic about this man. She shook her hurting head, wondering, Is this really the guy who's terrorizing all these people? This is the demon from hell? There was nothing devilish about him at all. His penis wasn't even all that impressive. The thin hard-on he was sporting was probably no more than five inches long, six at best. When he saw Talitha, the painter immediately clasped a hand to his chest and said, Oh my heaven, aren't you a sight for sore eyes? Talitha noticed a tattoo over the painter's left breast, one of a flaming heart, hair had grown over the tattoo, but the bright red ink showed through. The painter turned his head slightly and bellowed, Lennox, get out here! He shook his head. This is embarrassing. Of all the times for him to need to go to the little minion's room. Teletha was acutely aware of the men still standing behind and behind her. Fleeing wasn't an option. Her terror rose again and made her bold. So you're the evil madman who's terrorized this entire town, huh? Contemptuously, she snipped. You don't look all that much to me. Several people gasped, including at least one person from the men's side. Much of the weeping had subsided. Everyone's attention was focused on Talitha and the painter. For a full minute, the painter just stood there, expressionless. Then, without warning, he burst into laughter. He shook a paint-stained finger at her, saying, You are definitely like your sister. Am I going to have as much trouble with you as I did with her? Where is she? Talitha shrieked. What have you done with her? Malika? The painter smiled wickedly, his eyes fixed solidly on Talitha. She's fine. She's hanging on my bedroom wall right now. He tittered. Talitha and Malika often went to horror movies and screamed together when someone was killed. She'd seen a lot of slasher films in her life, including every Saw movie. And when the painter talked about Malika hanging on a wall, Talitha immediately pictured her sister mounted by way of a bloody meat hook plunged through her belly. She shuddered, putting her hand up before her eyes as if she could shield herself from her own imagination. She tried finding refuge in the fact that he had also said, She's fine. A big, broad, overweight man now appeared behind the painter. Talitha took one look at his dull-eyed, slack expression and knew this must be Lummox. He was wearing nothing but jeans and cowboy boots, his enormous white whale belly hanging out. Talitha wasn't at all surprised to see his fly was unzipped. As he moved past the pedestal where the boombox sat, he bumped it, nearly causing it to fall. The painter shouted, Watch it, you oaf! Talitha wondered which was his proper name, Lummox or Oaf. She saw the handle of a pistol sticking out of the oaf's pocket. What did you... Lummox started to ask the painter, but then stopped in mid-sentence when he saw Talitha. His eyes widening, the shirtless blob asked, Who's that? She, the painter said, gesturing enthusiastically at Talitha, is Malika's sister. Talitha found she could still suffer additional chills when she witnessed Lummox's reaction. 
He gave Talitha an intense look that was both angry and lewd, while simultaneously licking his lips. Leering at Talitha, he asked the painter, "'What happened to her head? She's bloodied.' Yes, my intellectually challenged friend, she has been bloodied, and since you obviously haven't been paying attention tonight to a goddamn thing that's been going on, too blinded by tits as usual, the painter gave Talitha a mock-weary look that said, do you see what I have to put up with, before turning back to Lummox to finish. I'll politely remind you, that's why Peter Proctor's portrait will presently be placed in a position of peril. He looked back at Talitha. I love tongue twisters, don't you? He flapped his tongue lewdly at her, making it waggle. Lummox snorted laughter. The painter pointed at his sidekick, ordering, Go get Peter's portrait. Something bright popped on behind Lummox's beady little eyes. Lighter fluid, too? Oh, yes, said the painter, his smile broad and sinister. The lighter fluid, too. He turned looked at his congregation, and threw out his hands wide as he shouted the declaration, I prefer Kingsford. The painter then turned his attention to the man standing to Talitha's left. I appreciate you using restraint, Sheriff. Talitha has been through a lot today, I'm sure. I imagine the flight from Chicago was harrowing enough, and then when she gets here, well, what Pete did was unforgivable. He turned to Talitha, repeating, absolutely unforgivable. He'll receive his punishment. Of that you can be assured, my dear. Whatever, said Talitha. If you just want to let me and Malika go, I'd be happy to forget the entire thing. Uh-huh, the painter nodded, smiling at her knowingly. Pointing at the man in the uniform, he said, As much as I hate to do it, Sheriff, I think you should cuff her. No, she protested, and tried to fight them, but quickly gave up when a fourth man rose from one of the pews to join her three tormentors. Talitha's hands were pulled behind her back and cuffed. The painter's erection seemed to stand a little taller as he watched Talitha struggle. I apologize, my dear, but your reputation precedes you. Before I was forced to mute her, Malika had told me all about you. He licked his lips and leered. Pushing away that image of her sister on a hook, Talitha said, Then you should already know, if you plan on raping me, you're in for one hell of a fight. Oh, Talitha, the painter looked appalled. I'm not a rapist. I don't take dimples, kicking and screaming by force. I prefer women who submit to me, either out of fear for themselves or out of fear for their loved ones. Like her, for instance. He pointed at the woman who had been sucking him when Talitha arrived. The whimpering, big-breasted lady had crawled over behind the baby crib. I've already diminished her husband and her brother. She and her daughter are all that remain of the family. He smiled, still staring at his victim. She's one hot mama, don't you think? A real milf. He gave his dick a couple of quick strokes before exclaiming, Sweet buckets on a grapevine. I love women. The painter turned his attention back to Talitha. And you, Miss Taylor? Oh, I definitely desire fucking you. All the females in this town are so pale. With the exception of Malika, there's no one in my collection who has any kind of... He grinned wickedly before saying, with only slight emphasis, color. 
The painter stepped down off the stage, approaching her with his heart on leading the way. She tensed, causing a jolt of pain to stab her brains. The painter pointed, saying, You're a total fucking hottie. You know that, don't you? She wouldn't respond to him at this point if she knew how. From somewhere close, Talitha heard a man crying. The painter's face darkened, his smile vanishing. You are a sublime work of art, Talitha. You know that, right? He was close enough for her to spit on, and she did it without thinking. The splat of saliva hit him on his hairy shoulder, just above the hairy tattoo of the burning heart. Oh, the indignities I must suffer for my craft! Smiling, he wiped away Talitha's spittle, telling her, We'll deal with you in a moment. The painter looked to Lummox, who Talitha saw had returned with a painting, its back complete with wire hanger, facing her. First, said the fiend, we must punish Peter for the unforgivable way he welcomed you to Paintersville. Windows rattled as wind pounded the church. Outside, the leading edge of the storm front arrived, bearing rain. Inside the chapel, the painter took the portrait away from Lummox, and after a hand flourish and a ta-da, he turned it around for Talitha to see. The man in the green cap, who went berserk in the store and bashed her in the head with a shovel, was, indeed, Peter Proctor. This portrait of Peter was wearing his green baseball cap. It depicted just his head and shoulders, and the portrait was animated. Peter was holding his painted face in his painted hands and crying his painted eyes out. This was the weeping she'd been hearing since Lummox returned. A living man was trapped in oils. So many thoughts struck Talitha's mind simultaneously, she was dizzied to the point of almost swooning. Seeing the moving painting was the most mind-boggling, most terrifying sight she'd ever seen. Pete's anguish was palpable, rolling out of the portrait like waves of bitter torment. All the many things she had seen and heard since she came to Paintersville suddenly made more sense. She knew, for instance, that Malika wasn't hung on a meat hook somewhere. She was hung flat on a framed canvas. Talitha Taylor screamed. When painted Peter Proctor was startled by her shrieks, he opened his puffy eyes, looking directly at her, and Talitha screamed even louder. The sheriff grabbed Talitha by her shoulders and smacked her face, turning her screams into sobs. The painter tilted his head and stuck a finger in his ear. Thank you, sheriff, he sighed. I'm surprised I'm not deaf by now. Lummox snorted laughter. Why do they always have to scream, huh, boss? The painter rolled his eyes. Moron. The naked artist took Peter's portrait from Lummox and walked to the far side of the stage, away from the baby crib and his current work in progress. Above a blackened spot on the stage, a long wire was draped over the rafters. Talitha watched with queasy fascination as the painter hung the painting on a hook then pulled the wire and hoisted the portrait a few feet into the air. Meanwhile, the picture of Peter Proctor pled for its life. Please, no, don't do this. I thought she was going to get away. I thought you would want me to stop her. Opening the can of lighter fluid, the painter walked over to the portrait and calmly replied, I did want you to stop her. I knew that, babbled Peter's portrait. 
I knew you'd want to paint her, just like you did her sister. And I knew the troubles Mika gave you. I thought you'd want me to prevent this one from getting away. The painter squirted lighter fluid on the hanging painting as he skipped around it in a circle. I do want to paint her, and I remember better than anyone the trouble Malika gave me. Then you, you don't need to. The painter interrupted the painting. But! He glanced at Talitha, then at Lummox. What's the rule when relatives come to town, Lummox? Subdue, but don't injure. Don't bloody them. The painter repeated, Don't bloody them. He reached up underneath his wild hair and pulled out a match from behind his ear. An hour earlier, after this man bashed Talitha in the skull with a shovel, if someone had offered to hang green-capped Peter Proctor from the highest tree, she would have joyfully provided the rope. Now, however, she felt none of that need for vengeance. Certainly this wasn't justice. This hideous punishment did not fit his crime. So she groaned, Don't do it. The painter stopped, gave Talitho a long look, one eyebrow raised. Then he flicked the match fire with his thumb and casually tossed it at the painting. A whoosh of fire reverberated through the sanctuary. As he was burnt alive, Peter Proctor shrieked and screamed. Talitha looked away, causing her wrists some pain when she spontaneously tried to cover her ears and couldn't because of the handcuffs. Peter's wailing death throes lasted less than five minutes, but they were the longest minutes of Talitha's life. She tried to keep her eyes averted, but made the mistake of glancing up at the picture. That fleeting look showed her a charring tongue jutting from the screaming mouth of a face on fire. By the time the portrait stopped howling, Talitha realized she was screaming, as were many others inside this desecrated church. The painter let the moment play out until all the screams dissolved into sobs. He then nodded at Lummox and pointed at the still-burning canvas. At some point when Talitha wasn't looking... Lummox retrieved a fire extinguisher that he now used to put out the sputtering flames. Talitha looked back at the painter and shook her head with disbelief. His erection still hadn't wilted. Well, he said, and then paused to look at the people of Paintersville. When he finally spoke again, it was in his raised-volume orator voice. He shouted, Let's hope we don't have to witness anything like that ever again. Several voices said an amen in unison. Walking away from the charred ruins of Peter Proctor, the painter looked at Talitha. He tapped the tattoo on his left breast, shouting, Everybody here tonight has loved ones who are now part of my collection. Every one of you has friends and relatives who could easily suffer a similar fate if you fail to please me. And this... He tapped the tattoo again, now addressing Talitha. Is why no one here will ever defy me. Lummox, tell Miss Taylor here what happens if my heart should stop. Lummox snorted. <laughs> Everybody dies. That's right, the painter smiled. He shouted, If anything happens to me, all my paintings, all their loved ones will burn! The painter strolled up to Talitha, who was prevented from backing away by brown overalls. 
She grimaced as the painter came so close his erect penis nearly brushed against her. Tapping his tattoo one last time, he spoke now only for Talitha in a low whisper, telling her, When I die, all my good work will go up in flames. All my work, he said ominously, and everyone in it. He leaned in and whispered in Talitha's ear, Including your sister. The painter grabbed Talitha's head and roughly kissed her. She tried to struggle, but he was very strong. And so she tried to bite him, but he pulled away just before she could. Huh, he said, rubbing his lip to make certain it was still whole. Talitha didn't realize how stupid the words were until they'd already flown out of her mouth. You'll never get away with this. That's what they said to Hitler and Van Gogh and Milly Vanilli, the painter snickered. Nobody gets away with anything forever. He winked at Talitha, still tittering. The trick is to enjoy her little evils while they last. Before she could respond, the painter ordered, Doctor, do your duty. A cloth soaked with chloroform was slapped over Talitha's mouth and nose. She awoke to a groggy existence where she was gagged and bound, spread eagle on her back, her wrists and ankles tied to the four posts of an elegant bed. A feather pillow was under her head. A cotton canopy was above her, and silk sheets were beneath her. Her brains didn't hurt so much anymore, but when she opened her eyes and tried to raise her head, dizziness prevented her from getting anywhere. Talitha moaned. The painter said cheerfully, Ah, there you are. Your timing is perfect, actually. I'm almost done here. She was no longer in the sanctuary of the defiled church, but the sounds were almost the same. The ballad on the boombox was fairly loud. Buck Cherry was singing Crazy Bitch. She again heard people weeping, although not as many, and their sobs didn't echo the way they did in the sanctum. Above everything, the noise of the storm was much louder now. Lightning struck close by, and the crack of thunder was so loud she jumped, causing a shudder to rock the mattress. Talitha closed her eyes. She didn't want to see. She didn't want to know. She couldn't think straight, and she didn't want to. She only caught a glimpse before she closed her eyes, but she knew she was in the painter's bedroom. At the foot of the bed was another canvas on an easel, where the nude madman was painting the portrait that would capture her body and soul. At least two other men were in the room. She saw the sheriff seated at a desk, looking at a computer screen, mouse in hand. She also saw Lummox, sitting in a rocking chair behind the painter, watching him work. Oh, Lord Jesus, please, she prayed. Please let this end. You should look at this, sweetheart, said the painter. She didn't move. The painter sighed. Okay, then. Suit yourself. I must say, though, all modesty aside, it's a remarkable likeness of you. Lummox laughed. Through the fog of Talitha's addled brain, she remembered the painter saying that Malika was in his bedroom, hung on the wall. She put that memory together with the fact she was now in the bedroom, and she cried out, Sis! She tried to sit up, only to be driven down again by vertigo. She's not here. The painter's cheerfulness was in itself another horror. When she found out you came looking for her, she was terribly distraught. Inconsolable, actually. She was crying so hard, I was afraid she was in danger of making her face run. After snickering at his own joke, he said, I shut her up. 
Frankly, her language was offensive. He snickered again and said, The fucking bitch. He laughed harder still. Questions floated up in Talitha's mind. She immediately beat them back down. She didn't want to know. She wondered if she could become unconscious again, and found that she could. Just as she was blacking out, there was an explosion of noise. The slam of thunder overhead, the crash of something cataclysmic happening on the roof, the rattle of the bed and the furniture and all the teeth in the room as the entire church quaked. The light went out, but then flickered back to life a moment later. The thunder was still rumbling, the roof was now creaking, and the sheriff said, Damn, as his computer said in a woman's voice, now booting from the operating system. What was that, boss? shouted Lummox. The painter ordered him to go see. He looked at the sheriff. Both of you? Lummox bounded from the room, sounding like a charging elephant as he went. The sheriff went to a small window across the room and pulled back the red curtains. Peering out through the rain-soaked glass, he said, The steeple's down. What? shouted the painter, rushing to the window. Lying on her side on the bed, Talitha opened her eyes wider and saw something she'd given up hope of ever seeing. The painter's penis finally went soft. The sheriff couldn't completely keep the smile off his face as he said, The storm's knocked down that goddamn dick of yours. The painter whirled on the sheriff and roared, Go check on it! The sheriff walked to the bedroom door, looking annoyed. What the hell am I supposed to check on? The fucking thing is wrecked. The painter shook a fist at the man dressed like a law officer, looking like a petulant child, a furious one. Seeing his reaction, Talitha was certain that the man ruling this frightful little town was totally deranged. You're all wrong, she thought, suspecting she knew the truth. He's not a demon, and no, it's not something in the paint. It's his madness. Somehow his insanity gives him power. The realization drained her. Talitha passed out. Wake up! Talitha didn't want to wake up. People, paintings, were screaming. She was grabbed by the shoulders and shaken. Wake up, Talitha! Faking unconsciousness was both an act of denial and defiance. She kept her eyes shut and her body relaxed. She realized, much to her astonishment, she was no longer bound. She was shaken again, and then the manhandling stopped as the door slammed open. She heard distant screams. The sanctuary's on fire! When the steeple went down, so did the lightning rod. The last bolt struck the sanctuary directly. It's like... Someone else finished the sentence. Like the wrath of God! Still standing very close to her, too close, the painter said, I'll show you the wrath. And then he asked, Where's Lummox? The fire's spreading. People are going crazy down there. Everyone is desperate to save their family portraits. Lummox was trying to... Pow, 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 came the crack of gunfire directly below this room. Above, the storm answered with a crash of thunder. Talitha still hadn't opened her eyes. The painter bellowed, Find out what's going on, all of you! Find Lummox and evacuate the paintings to the farm! A split second later, he shouted, And take these with you! You, there! Take that one! There was a great deal of stomping, and some piece of furniture was dragged scraping across the floor. Go! Wait! Don't forget me! shrieked some poor painting. As the sounds of anxious people and frightened portraits begin to recede, 
As the sounds of anxious people and frightened portraits began to recede, the painter shouted after them, Meet me at the farm! Talitha heard the squeak of the door as the painter closed it. Now, the madman said, and there was definitely a change in his tone. He no longer sounded so chipper. Let's see if you really are asleep. She heard him coming toward her, heard his labored breathing, and immediately opened her eyes just in time to stop him. He was about to plunge a sewing needle into some delicate part of her. Ah, he said, stepping back. Wind battered the church with howling ferocity. The moment she saw him again, Talitha shouted, It's all coming down around your ears, fucker! Three rapid gunshots rang out downstairs, followed by a woman's high-pitched screech. Talitha managed a smile. It's all coming to an end. In her mind, she prayed, Dear Jesus, let it be so. The painter smiled and said, You're right about that. He lifted up her portrait, turned it around, and showed Talitha her own face. Even though he painted her when she was dead unconscious, she was depicted here as wide-eyed, awake, and smiling. Talitha saw her painted eyes blink. Suddenly she understood that this was why he had to wake her. He had to show her the painting. She had to make eye contact with herself in order for the diminishing to take place. She felt her body become very light, weightless, and then numb. She blinked, experiencing a brief spiral of vertigo, only to then feel nothing as she awoke in her new life on canvas. She was wrong. He was demon-possessed, in addition to being totally mad, and he just used the power of hell to steal her body. The painter turned the portrait around and looked down at the new two-dimensional Talitha. Clutching the frame of her new existence, Spittle was shot out of his mouth as he raved, Your sister tried to leave Paintersville? You know that? And then she cut me! She fucking cut me! Talitha laughed, blurting out, Way to go, sis. And now you, coming to town and bringing this storm with you, like some ill-fated, flag-and-flop, slim, slurpy-finger-seeing magar-hound-dream-killer. What? Talitha's eyes grew huge. You're completely insane. Insane, huh? cried the painter. Well, I may be insane, but I'll have the last laugh on you, my dear, and your little dog, too. Holding her portrait so she was looking up at his bug-eyed, hairy face, the painter took Talitha and hung her on the wall. With her peripheral vision, she saw him go to a closet and take out Malika's portrait. He brought Talitha's flattened sister before her so that they were portrait face to portrait face. Talitha cried giant tears of rage when she saw what the psycho had done to Malika. You see? he asked. You see what I had to do because she wouldn't shut up? Malika's portrait was absolutely perfect in every regard except one. Her mouth had been removed as if it was never there. What was more horrific to Talitha was despite the fact that Malika had no mouth. Her portrait was making pathetic little sounds as she wept, her tortured cries trapped deep inside her quavering throat. The painter hung Malika's portrait on the wall opposite Talitha's. You bastard, shouted Talitha, and instinctively spat at him. This time her aim was much better than before. The painter was hit between his eyes with a splat of green paint. 
Wiping his forehead off with a handkerchief, Talitha suddenly realized he was no longer naked. The painter was wearing black slacks and a long-sleeved puffy white shirt. He dropped his stained handkerchief on the floor and said, And with that, my ladies, I will leave you here to burn. Talitha raged. We may burn tonight, you miserable fuck, but by God, one day soon you will be burning in hell. The painter looked back at her and started to say something when more shots rang out from below. Closing his mouth, saying no more, the painter opened the door and rushed out, never to be seen by them again. Outside, rain poured and bolts of lightning dropped continuously from the sky. Talitha looked into her sister's eyes and said as calmly as she could, Listen to me, sis. We are not going to burn. God is not going to let that happen. You hear me? Malika nodded, wiping tears from her face. Pray with me. Both portraits bowed their heads and closed their eyes. Downstairs, the shouting was finally done. Everyone had fled the burning building. In the storeroom below this bedroom, flames had reached the ceiling. The smoldering floor built up a thickening smoke screen between the Taylor sisters. Talitha prayed, Dear Lord Jesus, Son of God, save us from these flames. Deliver your daughters, Talitha and Malika, from this terrible evil that has captured us. Save us, Jesus. Send us to our grandmother's home. Talitha heard a startled squeak of surprise from Malika. She continued her prayer by saying, In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, I pray. Amen. Opening her eyes, she saw her sister nod and knew that she just thought in answering Amen. A spot in the corner, heavy with lint, was the first part of this bedroom to catch fire. The room below was an inferno. Talitha was focused completely on Malika. Remember the painting Grandma Diana had done of herself? You remember. Talitha went on, even though Malika was already nodding. The one Grandpa always said looked just like her, but Grandma keeps it in the attic because she said her mouth was painted too big. The smoke was getting thick. The thunder was continuous. Talitha had to shout to be heard. We're just going to wish ourselves right into that painting in Grandma's attic. You know that big-ass painting. There's room there for you and I, don't you think? The portrait of mouthless Malika nodded. I know it's crazy, sister, but this whole thing is just about as crazy as it gets. So let's be like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, she barked a choked laugh. We close our eyes, focus on that painting of Grandma Di, and think over and over, I wish we were home, I wish we were home, I wish we were home. We'll wish ourselves right back to Chicago. Talitha fought back her own tears, sniffling. Are you with me, girl? Malika nodded. I wish we were home. I wish we were. In the end, when lightning struck Painersville, the Taylor sisters were together. God threw down a final devastating thunderbolt and sent Malika and Talitha home. That was The Night Lightning Struck Paintersville by William O'Neill, as read to us by Ruth Stearns. Ruth got her start as a narrator by reading to her husband on car trips through the empty grasslands of central Florida. She also writes speculative fiction of her own, although she is best known for combating circular entropy as a college administrator. Contact her via her blog at letmewritethat.wordpress.com, and as always, link will be in the show notes. And that will be our show for the evening, Children of the Night. Take care of each other, and come see us again next week for another episode of Tales to Terrify.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.